Welcome back, you silly little goosies. How you doing out there? It's the Philosopher's Stone podcast. I am Jordan. He is Sam. How you doing, Sam? You, you had a long week so far. You look, you're, you're doing a lot of school at late at night, sounds like. What's that about? Can you give us a little a little rundown on why you're you got such a tight schedule? Tight schedule? Uh, yeah, I got classes at night mostly. It's uh, It's not fun, but you know that's the way it is, and um, we're just getting through it one, one evening at a time here. Just getting through it. That's all I can say. Yeah, well, that's not a bad slogan <laughs> as far as uh, general life just goes. Getting just getting it. through yeah. it. Yeah, where's to live by? Getting through it. There's no fast forward button in life. That's for sure. Yeah. Unfortunately, could you imagine if you could, like, yeah, I don't know if you could somehow function normally at work, but it. Uh, it's it's time dilated to seem like it goes. I mean, you could just keep working hard. That usually speeds thing up. But you know what I mean. Like, imagine if you could somehow get everything done without fucking it up, but it only seems like five minutes to you. Wouldn't that be great? I believe that is the premise of the movie Click, starring Adam Sandler. Oh right. See, Adam Sandler always gets to the profound stuff before anyone else. That's what I find. <laughs> Eight Crazy Nights, one of the worst Christmas movies ever. Never seen it. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. But you do see an animated deer poop out like a bunch of <laughs> little deer shit pellets. Okay. In the beautiful, that's probably the nicest piece of animation in the whole movie is that one shot of that deer spitting out shit pellets. Wow. I mean, the mental image that I'm getting right now is very vivid. You really got to imagine vibrant colors <laughs> and shading while you do it. But it's, it's really a god-awful movie. Um, I had a question. Do you work a day job during the day or do you sleep in or do you study in the morning? I got a uh, peer tutor job. Oh. But so far, no appointments have been made. So I'm just praying that someone will make an appointment. So what time do you have to get up in the morning? And like, what do you do until your... When, do your, when does your first class start? Uh, first class? But, so I don't have class on Monday. That's nice. And then I've got class Tuesday. Starts at 3.30. It goes until 9.00. And then same thing on uh, Wednesday. And then Thursday is the same thing for now, but soon it's just going to be one class from 5 to 8 on Thursday. And then I have a class from 10 till 1 on Friday. And then that's it. Nice. You get the weekends off still. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice to have a job, but it's... uh, Yes. Looking pretty bleak. Looking pretty bleak. Just not a lot of work where you are, or what? Uh, yeah, just for like a part-time job. Like, there's not, not really much going on. Oh uh, yeah, but I got the tutor job, so that's good. Keep you busy. As soon as those midterms roll around, I'm gonna get some appointments, hopefully. And of course, I have all my my stock portfolio. Oh yeah, that 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 crypto really paying dividends now, eh? Uh, I wouldn't call them dividends. More like. Uh, <laughs> Dead ends. A death by really a thousand recall. cuts, I would say. <laughs> death by. Well, I'm sorry. I, I, I screwed up your schedule, Sam, this week. I know that you were hoping to record on Sunday and then Monday, but I, I was camping all week for our mutual friend's bachelor party. Shout out Le Grande Cock. <laughs> and uh, just drinking in the hot sun with extracurriculars. All day, two days in a row, starting at like 9 a.m. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it and then pop back up like I used to be able to. Now it's like <laughs> I got home from camping. I slept from about 11 a.m. 
till dinner time, woke up just to eat dinner, went right back to bed, and then uh, immediately felt like I woke up, had to go to work where I did the hottest, hardest physical labor all day in the sun. And I could, I just had nothing left. Sorry, but it was worth it. You know why? Why? Okay. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we saw one of the craziest wildlife interactions I've ever seen Sunday morning when we were camping. Oh, okay. I got a story of you too after you tell us. Okay. Let me crack my, I got a Borvo white IPA, 5.6 strong. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you think that white, white IPAs are going to become like a way of the past? What's in them? What makes them white? Well, they're colonialist hobbits. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say habits. I said hobbits. Colonialist hobbits. Now there's a movie. <laughs> colonialist hobbits. Um, I don't know what makes it white. I it just it's not like most IPAs you get are gonna look like a dark ale kind of. And I know white IPAs are more of like a, I think Electric Unicorn. I don't know where they if they sell that worldwide, but that's like a white IPA, more of like a kind of a sourish IPA. I don't know how to describe. It. They're delicious though. Man, you worked in a brewery. This should be like a easy question. We didn't get that fancy. We did not get that fancy. <laughs> they did not trust me. They didn't give anyone any sort of schooling or training there. They were literally like, "Here's a fucking glue gun. Start gluing boxes together." <laughs> and then you gun. just sort of picked, you put together the pieces of how the place operates by yourself, and then they notice you knowing stuff and they promote you to the top and you ruin their company. <laughs> it's essentially what they do. Let's hire a bunch of 21-year-olds and give them as much free beer as they want and hope this thing stays on track. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds great. Great business plan. They're still in business, though. Hey, they are. So, Sunday morning, uh, we're all eating breakfast, you know, getting ready to, like, you know, say our goodbyes, pack up, and we're watching. Uh, we're eating. Our fire pit was, like, looking overlooking the lake of, uh, like, a, I'd say, like, a 10-foot bluff. Um, it was a beautiful camp spot. I've never been there before. Wow. But we're all watching and our friend Cam and Tim, they're fishermen. They've been, they were fishing trout out of the, the mouth of this river for like the whole weekend. They could just pull them out at will. It was amazing. I think they stock it. Uh, yeah, I found out it was a man-made lake at the very end and I was like, I was very disappointed. It really took a lot of the majesty out of it for me, but <laughs> apparently a lot of them are man-made around here. I did not know that. Was it like a perfect, like a big circle? Like no, no. It looks like a natural lake because huh. uh, they just flood natural valleys. Uh, interesting to like irrigate certain parts of Kelowna, our city. But there are all these little lakes, so they're all like natural valleys. They just, where do they get all this water from? They redirect them from natural lakes. Ah, I see. Yeah, interesting. Learned a lot. So they stock this lake with trout, so it's not like a huge, like I don't know. I don't know how hard it is ever to catch them there, but they were just pulling them out at, at will and uh, actually ate a fresh trout off of a stick like an animal. It was amazing. <laughs> Tasted delicious. Raw? You ate it raw? Just fresh? Just sticked it? No, no, it? no, no. No, no. We, we put it over the fire for a bit. Oh, okay. We didn't gullum it. We didn't fucking <laughs> gullum in his cave. Ugh. You know who made eating raw fish look delicious was that Pengu character. He was amazing at it. Pengu, I don't think yeah. I ever would have liked... Remember Pengu? No. It was like a kid's show. It was all claymation, and this penguin was... The whole show, there was no dialogue. It was always this penguin trying to find fish. And let me tell you something. Pengu. Pengu. Pengu, yeah. Pengu. It's a Swiss, Swiss show. Are you Googling it right now? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, it was good. Program creator, Otmar Gutman. Really, their crowning achievement was making this clay fish look delicious every episode. Wow. Mm. I think fish look delicious. Anyways, let's get back to the... This is the interaction. This was like, I shit you not, this was more exciting than one of the, like, the most exciting exchange you could witness in a UFC fight. Like, we were on our feet. We were oh, on yeah. our feet by the end. Just All like... Right, what, what was it? So we're looking at this osprey, which is like this predatory bird. Uh, Looks kind of like a hawk. Maybe it is a type of hawk. But it's, we, we noticed that it's gliding in the wind right over the mouth of the river where all the trout were. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, shit, this thing's going to die, bomb one, and grab one right in front of us. So sure enough, after a few minutes, it does like its killer just straight down, down into the river, yoinks out a trout. And starts flying across the lake with it. It was a beautiful, sunny morning. And at that point, we're all like, oh, that was sick. Awesome. Never seen that in real life. And then as it's flying across the lake, a bald eagle that was sitting in a tree jumps out of its tree and starts chasing it around the lake and eventually catches up it and rips the trout out of the osprey's fucking head or knocks it into the lake and then grabs it and flies back to its tree with it. So at this point, we're all like, that was crazy. We're on our feet. Holy shit, that bald eagle just robbed that osprey of its trout it just caught. And then, moments later, a bigger bald eagle flies from the opposite side of the lake to where that bald eagle's nest was and steals that fish from that bald eagle. (laughs) It was, and it was all unfolding before us, like, just in moments, moment after moment of excitement. It was great. Wow. David Attenborough would have shit himself. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. We had yeah, this theory. Wow. We were like expecting to look over and see David Attenborough like walking along <laughs> the berm. And we're like, yeah, maybe when he shows up, the animals, that's when they do all this stuff so they, they can make the shit. cut. They're like, oh fuck, it's David Attenborough. Holy shit. All right, let's do the do it. We rehearsed it. Okay, ready? I'm gonna catch let's do it, go. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is our chance. The animals, the animals all know that they could make it big if they really just fucking do something amazing right in front of David. Yeah. Oh my god, David's coming. He's he's coming. Yeah. Yeah, all the birds of paradise, they never do that shit when they're by themselves. Like Bill's like yeah. dance around and <laughs> Yeah, do that like dance where they jive side by side and like build all their nests. They just they only do that for David. Yeah, he's like the ultimate agent of the animal kingdom. Yeah, yeah, the ultimate talent scout. <laughs> oh man, he could. They could make it big. Could make it big. Just gotta get get in front of the right David. Yeah. Wow. This uh, this story ties in absolutely perfectly with our topic for today. It's almost it's almost like it was planned, but it wasn't. Really? Yeah. Well, hit me with it. It did remind me of what we were talking about, I think, a couple episodes ago about looking to nature for morality, like how they did with like (laughs) slavery. And I'm like, okay, well, that nature just showed me that you just fucking take what you can from anyone else. Yeah. And that's what they, that's a lot of, that was a common moral belief of the time, basically, the idea that uh, uh, might makes right, basically, is the idea. Hmm. Plato did a whole dialogue. Did a whole dialogue about it with a guy named Thrasymachus, and Thrasymachus was all about just the the what is right. Well, it just just matters who's in charge, who's the strongest. Hmm. Whoever's the strongest, whatever they do is right. That's all there is to it. 
as they sat next to each other, bellies just bouncing off of each other. <laughs> yeah. Might is right, man. That's why we're right. so well off. <laughs> yeah. We're apex predators. Socrates obviously disagreed, but yeah. Yeah. Thrasymachus, might is right. But uh, yeah, so today we're talking about a guy who, I think he coined the phrase, the state of nature. Mm. Do, you, do you know who I'm talking about? The state of nature. The state of nature. There's a famous quote that he said. Mm-mm. I know a state of trance. <laughs> That's incredible. I know a state of emergency, which uh, I think Katrina invented that one. COVID was a state of, state of emergency. Yeah, we don't. Know. We get provinces of emergency, which provinces. does not have the same ring. Does not have the same ring to it. <laughs> no one gives a shit about a province of emergency. Right? Is that how it goes? Is that the type um, of state they're using? When, I don't like, believe they call them province of emergency in Canada. I think they call it state of emergency. But when they say it's a state of emergency, yeah. are they referring to the state as in the region of land or the current climate? They are referring to the current state of affairs, I would say. Okay. I kind of, I'm not going to lie, I kind of thought this is now, Washington State is a state (laughs) of emergency. (laughs) What? Is a state of emergency. Oh, I get it. Yeah. This is a state of emergency. Yeah. All right. I get it. I thought, that's what I was thinking most of the time. All right. Glad to be corrected on that one, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, a state of emergency. Nice. <laughs> and I don't mean the state of affairs. I mean it's a state of emergency. <laughs> What's going on in that state right now? Emergency. Emergency. That's all that's happening. Just one big emergency. <laughs> the sirens are going. <laughs> the lights are flashing across the whole state. Most of the time, it's just a mild-mannered state. But then... It becomes a state of emergency. Puts on a cowl and a cape. (laughs) A red alarm siren. Oh, my God. All right. So, uh, let's see. Yeah, he's got a famous quote about the state of nature that that I've got written down here somewhere that you would definitely recognize if I read it. That's for sure. You want to hear it? It's it's very... Um, So, I've heard of this person before. Yeah, you've heard of him. Is it Morpheus? <laughs> no, it's not Morpheus. It's a, uh, it's a British guy Ugh. from the 1700s Shit. named Thomas Hobbes. Oh, this is what Hobbes from Calvin and Hobbes. This, he was named after this guy. Is that correct? I have no idea. I would highly doubt it. They seem totally unrelated to each other. I think that's correct. <laughs> I think Calvin was named after a philosopher too. Henry Calvin. Oh, maybe. That's true. Yeah. I don't know if it's Henry Calvin, but that sounded good. There was, there's a Christian religious sect called Calvinists. Lord Kelvin, the temperature guy, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelvin. <laughs> um, right now, I'm not... His sardonic stuffed tiger. That's cool. Yeah. That. Okay, maybe. Anyway, so Thomas Hobbes, he was famous uh, for his contribution to this concept called social contract theory. Okay. And social contract theory is 
It's about the relationship between individuals or citizens and the state in which they live. And by state, I mean the physical state, not the state of affairs. Yeah, okay. You understand? <laughs> that sounds, it's debatable, but I'm, let's just assume he meant it that way. Right. So they're citizens and they live in a state and sometimes that becomes a state of emergency. Right. But right now they're living in a, in a state, like Massachusetts would be a state. Yeah. And the government. You can think of it like the government. And the thesis is that it's about the authority that the state has over the people and why they're justified in forcing us to obey the law. Because this is a question, right? Like, why, why, why are they allowed to do that? Why can the police just tell you to, you're under arrest and killing that guy was against the law and now you have to go to jail? Like, what gives them the right to do that? Like, maybe I don't think murder is morally wrong, so why can't I just go kill somebody? Like, why is the government allowed to stop me? Yeah, it's not wrong to me. It doesn't make me feel bad. <laughs> Yeah, so social contract theory says that the government is allowed to enforce laws because we voluntarily consent and agree that we will not kill people and in exchange, the government will sort of protect us. People that want to kill us. Yeah, from people who want to kill you, yeah. If you don't kill anybody, they'll protect you from the people who want to kill you. I mean, they'll protect you even if you do kill people, which is wild. That's true, yeah. They don't just throw serial killers out to the out to the mob without a trial or even with a trial. They they let the state kill them. They do, yeah. And by the state, I mean they put them out in nature and let <laughs> they let the state exactly. of Oregon kill them. Yeah, the state of Oregon puts them into a state of death. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Via yeah. exposure. Yeah, not statewide, just concentrated in that individual. Yeah. Yeah. So social contract theory is the idea that. Like, why do they have this authority? Well, it's because we have a mutual agreement. Right. And it's justified because it's a mutual agreement. Like, we're both, we've both agreed to the terms. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't have, uh, so Thomas Hobbes, he argued that we should all willingly submit to a sovereign. And by a sovereign, he means a leader with unlimited authority. Ugh, I don't like that idea. Unlimited power. They can do anything. You can't question them. You can't rebel. Unless it's to protect your own life. Why did you think this was a good idea? Ah, you're asking all the right questions. Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty, uh, pretty smart, so that <laughs> kind of comes naturally to me. Yeah, so he, uh, his, his basic, I mean, like, we're going to have to go through it for the whole episode because it's a pretty tough argument. But in brief, right, so you have to understand, like, he lived in the 1700s. Right. And he had just lived through the English Civil War. So that's, I think that's the War of the Roses, it's called. Hmm. That's what uh, George R. R. Martin based Game of Thrones on. This took place entirely in England, obviously. This English, I don't know anything about the English Civil War. I'm just realizing. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, not the War of the Roses. It was, um, so it was between 1642 and 1651. And it was, it was about, uh, it was about governance and issues of religious freedom between the parliamentarians and the royalists. And these were all British. Yeah, they're all British people. They're, this was contained within England or, you know. All, all within England, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it was like supporters of the king and supporters of parliament, basically. Huh. Lasted 11 years, eh? 11 years, yeah. Really, and it really sucked. I'm sure. For the, the people. <laughs> Everything sucked by that, back then. Everything sucked, yeah. You know what I watched last night? 
was Beowulf. Remember when there, that came out and it was like the pinnacle of CGI technology? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I remember that. It Honestly, pretty fucking good. I enjoyed the hell of it. Oh, I should watch it. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Nice. Just released on Netflix. Angelo, Angelina Jolie's CGI butts on it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Got to check it out. Star-studded cast, actually. Anthony Hopkins, uh, John Malkovich. Wow. Aunt Angelina Jolie. Wow. Damn. Yeah. I'm in. Son of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so in brief, right? So he really thought the Civil War was bad. And he thought the Civil War happened because there wasn't someone with unlimited authority. It was a debate over who had authority. Right. So he thought uh, you should avoid a civil war at all costs because the, the shit that happens to the common people is so bad that nothing could be worse. And he thought that only a government with absolute authority could prevent civil wars from happening. And so he thought that if there's any like... All of our burgers are made with grass-fed beef now. Outstanding. What the it's been- What's that? Sorry, but fucking... Oh, my God. It was a commercial for AMW that popped up on my phone. I was trying what to check What a coincidence. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's Come again. targeted marketing right there. <laughs> I hope we get paid for that one. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, I, get it. I get the same thing, but I get it with Domino's Pizza. They just... I haven't ordered it from there in a while. Stand strong. <laughs> Dude, we found an awesome Pete. Well... We were exposed to a great pizzeria right around the corner from us. And we've never, we're never ordering from another place again, especially not the big oh. Domino's or any of, it's so good. Anyways. Oh my God. War of the Parliamentarians and the Royalists, 1640 to 1651. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so. So he thought uh, only a government with absolute authority is safe from a civil war. And so the only way to do that is to, you have to unquestionably obey everything that government says. And as long as that government maintains peace, it's justified. So that, that's the most important thing. So therefore he thought it's, everyone's, it's in everyone's best interests to submit to the authority of an absolute sovereign. As long as they maintain peace. As long as they maintain peace. And he has a pretty low bar for peace, I'd have to say. <laughs> I think most people did back then. <laughs> yeah. I think that like back in those days, their everyday life would seem like absolute chaos to people like us. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'd be, it'd be madness. Yeah. I mean, in a way, like they might think we're like kind of chaotic too. Like, like we're obsessed with the time, time of day and like, yeah, like we have so many different tasks that we have to do every day and everything. Well, just watching our traffic would be chaotic. Could you imagine throwing someone oh, yeah. in behind the wheel and telling them to navigate through like rush hour traffic? Yeah. They wouldn't be able to do it. They would collapse yeah. internally and externally. There's so much more information flying around. Yeah. But for them, it's like fine to see your neighbor murder your other neighbor and you just kind of shrug it off. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, oh, fucking Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. I knew he was going to get got. <laughs> yeah, so so Hobbes has he has a very elaborate argument to establish this claim. Like he really tried he wrote a whole book about it called Leviathan. That's like one of the major philosophical works of all time. Really? Yeah. Does it relate to the mythical beast at all? Well, like the the state is like the Leviathan. Okay. It's like this unchallenged beast, I think is the idea. Ah, I see. But I don't know. 
It might mean the opposite thing. It might mean civil war is the Leviathan and you have to stop it. I don't know. Anyway, so he thought that before we had states, governments, we existed in what's called the state of nature. Now, the state of nature was not a good time to be around. Yeah. And Hobbes thought it was such a bad time because he thought that basically by human nature, human nature is essentially selfish and cowardly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So he thought people are irrational and above all, they fear death and they just can't help themselves. They fear death above everything and they'll generally do whatever they can to preserve their own life. So that's one thing he thought. I mean, yeah, selfish and cowardly is essentially how every animal behaves as well. Okay. Think about those bald eagles selfishly taking it away until a bigger bird came, in which case they ran away and left their food behind. Mm. Who do you think that fish was for? Was the bald eagle going to eat the whole thing by itself? Maybe it was going to feed its babies. Uh, Yeah, you should have seen the size of this bald eagle. It could have eaten six or seven of them probably. Surprised it didn't eat the other bald eagle. <laughs> Maybe it was going to feed its babies. I don't think it has a choice. I bet you if you gave it consciousness, it would avoid feeding its babies. <laughs> if you gave it like self-awareness, it'd be like, I don't give a fuck about those babies. Man, I think, well, that's species to species. Like some species do eat their own young, but yeah. most species take care of their own young. But anyway, so he thought, Hobbes thought that... um like you will extend like that eagle, right? Maybe that eagle was catching the fish and it was going to feed the whole fish to its babies. So Hobbes thought that in general, like people will extend moral concern and consideration to their close kin, but it doesn't really go very far beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is generally true that people care most about their family and friends and, and they would... They would, uh, I don't know, throw a stranger to the wolves before exposing those people to harm. Yeah, if there's like literally wolves outside, like you're going to most likely protect your like your blood relatives first. Yeah. Yeah. As he thought that was just natural. Like that's just what we do. Yeah. But in addition to things like that, he thought we're also kind of, kind of selfish, kind of rat. We rationalize things. We like to use impartial terms like good and bad to refer to our own preferences. Okay. So we just say certain things are good and we say certain things are bad. And that usually, and we think we're being impartial, but really we're talking about what we prefer. Right. Like I say, pizza is good. Right. Yeah. So we have like a built-in morality that we kind of go with and we, without realizing it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a lot of it's based on your own personal preferences or as I call them, your peepees. Yeah. Your peepees. <laughs> so he believed that, and he believed that people are also pretty relatively equal in strength and intelligence. So no one is strong enough to dominate other people all on their own. Right. So like, no matter how strong you are, all it takes is one person to kill you in your sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> Just ask, ask Samson, ask Samson about how his fall from ultimate strength went, went down. Was it a, an army of people attacked him at once? No, it was one salacious slut (laughs) (laughs) cutting his hair while he slept (laughs) yeah he trusted he trusted her Delilah yeah 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 so so uh, so Hobbes thought like given all these things right that we're we're pretty cowardly we're all like kind of on equal terms of strength with each other given all these things 
it's pretty much impossible to do the things that you need to do to have a good time as a person. To like have a flourishing life. Like it's pretty hard to do that. As one person. Because everyone is just doing, yeah, everyone is just doing whatever they need to do to survive. Yeah. And that can include anything. Like you want to say you need a new cloak. Like are you going to take all the time to make one or are you just going to steal one from somebody? Like makes more sense to steal it. Like if you're trying to preserve your own life, like well, I mean, you could purchase one, I guess. Trade? No, no, no. There's no, there's no commerce. There's nothing. There's none of that. Oh, uh, in this example, because people just steal things. Oh, yeah. In this example, there's no governments or anything. I mean, if it came down to it, he thought without a state, you couldn't have commerce, basically, because that would require all this organization, right? Because how many attempt, how many failed attempts at your new jacket are you going to withstand before you just take someone's jacket? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. One, maybe <laughs> two at most. Yeah. So he, so his famous, his famous quote. And this is like 1600s writing, but he said, "This dissolute condition of masterless men, without subjection to laws, and a coercive power to tie their hands from rapine and revenge." Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, rapine, I guess. I don't know. Rapine? Is it not spelled raping, or is it like just a? Ra- I think it's like older, old English, English. raping. Yeah. Okay. There would be no place for industry because the fruit thereof is uncertain and consequently no culture of the earth, no navigation, nor use of the commodities that may be imported by sea, uh, no knowledge of the face of the earth, no account of time, no art, no letters, and worst of all, continual fear and danger of violent death and the life of man, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. It's a bleak image. Yeah, it's bleak. It's bad. But he thought we can't escape it. Tell us how. Tell us how. Is this still Thomas Hobbes we're talking about? <laughs> this is still Thomas Hobbes. Yeah, yeah. This is okay. one, one philosopher. Um, so he thought the way that we can get out of it is to remember that we're all rational. Right? This is the Enlightenment. They're big on people being rational. Right. We need to like redo our, enlight- our Enlightenment over here in the Western world. We need to redo it. <laughs> it's all fucked up now. Yeah, it's a little in darkened right now and we need enlightened. People think they're rational, but they're really not. That's the worst part about it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, rational means you're like, you can be moved by reasons. Like you can understand reasons and incorporate them into your decision making. Yeah. And you can change your opinion based on evidence and new ideas. Yeah. So he thought that because we're rational. We can all recognize that the state of nature is not a state where humans can flourish. It's like putting a flower in the closet. Like it just doesn't have the right conditions. Putting a flower in a closet, there might be someone <laughs> in there that likes it. <laughs> careful, Jordan, careful. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so Hobbes, he thought that everyone sort of recognizes that peace is in everyone's best interest. Like if we could all just get along, Mm-hmm. Not if you ask Beowulf. Beowulf lived for war, but in general, yeah, we're selfish and cowardly, right? He's talking specifically about peace within your own borders. Okay. Yeah. And um, to achieve peace, you should not do to others what you would not have them do to you. Sounds suspiciously like another guy I know, a little guy named Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, that's sort of like summing it up. Yeah, like don't be cruel, don't be, don't, uh, don't steal. Jesus H W C Christ. (laughs) 
holy water. Jesus, holy water, Christ. <laughs> I think Socrates also said something pretty similar. I think that idea was going around. Well, we'll put it like that. It, what do you mean? Jesus didn't come up with that? Be nice to other people. <laughs> I don't think that was, I don't think that's original to Jesus. I don't think that's original He's to Jesus. He's the first one to figure out you can be nice to people. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's original to Jesus. <laughs> uh, well, he just put his own spin on it and then called it his own. Yeah. It pretty much passes for uh, originality these days anyways. Yeah. So, and he thought any rational being will agree that peace is in everyone's best interests. And if you don't want someone to be an asshole to you, you shouldn't be an asshole to them. So that, that alone is how you get out of the state of nature. You, you recognize that you need to establish a covenant with each other. Mm-hmm. Even strangers. I think that's Even the strangers, key. You, yeah. Yeah, it has to include strangers or else it won't work. Yeah. But you need someone to enforce that covenant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, realistically, yeah. Because human nature is inherently selfish and cowardly. So left to their own devices, people are going to look for a way around it. Yes, and I fully agree with that. In fact, I might get that tattooed right across my calf. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. A great emergency tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I have one tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I'm in an emergency, I I just remember yeah. this tattoo. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in wingding so someone has to like scan it <laughs> just to be let down. <laughs> QR code. Yeah. Uh, but it's true, like you need to be willing to be kind to someone you might never get any benefit from in order for society to function and everybody has to or a bulk of people not everybody's going to do it but most people have to uh accept that that has to be for society to function so you have to be willing to be kind to a stranger or polite or whatever without any hope or chance of reciprocation in any way and everybody has to be on that page essentially right or not if not kind like non-aggressive at at least yeah so it's like um so like when you're in the state of nature, Tom Hobbes thought everyone has the right, he called it the right of nature. And the right of nature is that you can do what you believe you need to do to survive mm-hmm. and preserve your own life. That's the right of nature. Yes. When you go into this covenant, everyone has to give up chunks of that right. Like when you go into this covenant, you can no longer do whatever you believe you need to do to survive. Yeah. Like for example, you need money. In the state of nature, you could just like steal what you need because you have the right to do whatever you need to do. Right, right. But if you're in this covenant, you've given up your some of your rights to do whatever you need to do. And one of those is to take someone else's property. Mm-hmm. You've agreed that you won't just break into someone, your neighbor's house on Thanksgiving and take their turkey and say, go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can have the yams. Yeah. Everybody gets yams. You could sprinkle brown sugar on it if you want to party, but that's it. <laughs> Yams are amazing. I love a good yam. They're actually really good. I'd almost rather have a bowl of yams than a nice turkey. Turkey, turkey overrated, overrated meat. Dry, like okay. Barbecue is the best. I only go for the dark meat on turkey. Or oh yeah. That, yeah. Honestly, I prefer it on most birds. But sometimes when it's not my own family making it, I do get moist turkey breast, and I realize why people like it. But. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing barbecued. I've had like, several dry Christmases in my life. Uh, really, at the end of the day, it's like a ma- it's mainly a vessel for stuffing and gravy. Yeah, like, that's the main 
reason it exists when you think about it. Stuffing I didn't even like warm up to till I was practically an adult. Oh my god. The nice, nice stuffing. I don't know what it was. Mm. Yeah, it's honestly my favorite thing now. I'm still, so I'm good. still not on board for any sort of cranberry. Cran- Get cranberry. the fuck out of here, cranberry! I can't even what is say it? You, what are you on your period? That's how little I asked for it. I don't even know how to say the, the actual word. Cranberry juice, cranberry sauce. I don't do it. It's fucking amazing. I don't do it. It's too tangy for me. Okay, ah. it gives me a lot of tang. I'm all about that tang. You like that tang, but you also like like bad feelings in your mouth. So, <laughs> yeah, tang sour. I like lemons, chilies, and cranberries. Oh, that's a good idea. Lemons, chilies, and cranberries. Yeah, I wonder what that would taste like. There you go. Nice perfume. You just spray <laughs> it in your eyes when you wake up. <laughs> yeah. So it's the only it's the only uh, substance that is a, both a perfume and a uh, self defense attack spray. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you could spare it on yourself or at an assailant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Either way, you're both leaving hungry. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's actually a good experiment, Sam. Do you drink coffee every morning? Yep. Oh, yeah. You should replace that with a hot chili pepper and see if it has like similar awakening effects. I was doing that for a while. I was eating eggs with um, chopped up raw scotch bonnets and habaneros. And? And um, I started getting this weird feeling in my stomach, like this cold, sore sort of feeling. It's called an ulcer. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I should stop doing this <laughs> for a while. <laughs> I do think that that too many spicy foods can like rip a hole in your liner if you're not used to it. Yeah. If you haven't been building it up since you were like a preteen. Oh, yeah. Eating a habanero on an empty stomach is painful. Yeah. But the eggs helped cushion a lot of it. So it was just, anyway, I decided I had to stop. Pussy. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Where were we? Society needs a mutual covenant to, to, to Oh, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, much like, uh, I don't know, much like a McDonald's society. Uh-huh. You know, they're not so different. And so when you make this mutual covenant, you need someone to enforce it. And they can come to power in two ways. Either you can all make a covenant together or a conqueror can show up and you just submit to the conqueror. Right. Yeah. And the motivation for Hobbes, he thinks it's always pretty much the same, which is fear of other people or the conqueror. Right. So if you make a covenant with each other, you're doing it out of fear of each other. Or if you're doing it to a conqueror, you're doing it out of fear of the conqueror. And he thinks it's better to do it out of fear for the conqueror than for, out of the fear for each other? Um, no, he actually doesn't care how... How he doesn't care how the sovereign gets power. So, which is very different from the modern social contract theory people who all think it's, it really doesn't matter how they get power. It has to be a mutual agreement. Right. Hobbes doesn't care how they get it. The only thing that justifies power for Hobbes is that the sovereign protects the subjects from the state of nature conditions. Hmm. Well, does he, like, it's pretty obvious to say, well, North Korea seems like a peaceful country as far as what's going on inside of it, I guess, day to day. It's peaceful, but it's absolute dog shit to live there. Yeah, so it's, that's an interesting question. Would Hobbes classify North Korea as a justified sovereign? with like Because it has only, yeah, they have almost unlimited power. Yeah. And I don't think there's like a lot of gang wars going on in North Korea or like <laughs> warring factions. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go back. Let's look at uh, where he talked about what does the state of nature not have. So some of the things he wants, he thinks the state of nature doesn't have 
has no culture. There's no use of commodities that may be imported by sea, no arts, no letters, and continual fear and danger of violent death. The life of man, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. That sounds a lot like North Korea, honestly. It does. It does. I've never been there, but <laughs> from what I hear, yeah, it's not a good time. There's not a lot of Wi-Fi. Yeah, and they have that huge Pyongyang Tower. Like, why can't they blast some Wi-Fi from that thing? Not a lot of Wi-Fi or barbecues going on. So, yeah, those are two things I, some of the best things about summer, if you ask me, is the stronger (laughs) Wi-Fi. It is stronger in the summer. It's incredible. You think so? Um, I don't know. It's a conspiracy. Um, But that's interesting, right? Because North Korea, there's a sovereign with absolute power. And yet... North Korea seems to be a lot closer to the state of nature than like Canada, for example, which where the leader has far from absolute power. Yeah. So Hobbes would actually probably think the Canadian sovereign is more justified. What? Because they're protecting us more from the state of nature. He's not alone in that opinion, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> radical conclusion from Hobbes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sam, <laughs> we do have an email at the end of the podcast. So if you have a ultimate point or conclusive argument or statement, uh, the next five minutes would be a great time to get that out. Okay, so I'll, I'll try to be the best, the best uh, person in favor of Thomas Hobbes. Let's conclude his argument. Okay. So how much power should the sovereign have, right? So we've talked about North Korea. He thinks that's how much power the sovereign should have. Right. And that's unlimited power in all aspects of government, legislation, taxation, adjudication, disputes, enforcements of law, foreign policy, the right to make war. All of those things have the unlimited power of the government. And there should be no limits on its authority. No branch should be able to overrule another branch. It just seems like such a nor- like a such a like a obviously bad idea to maybe just the modern people, but yeah, go ahead. So, and the reason is that he thought that if there is a limit on its authority, right? Like, say there's a limit. Yeah. What we would think of as like a law saying the government can't search your car without you know probable cause or something like that. Yeah. So suppose that that limit's not there; they can search your car whenever they want. So he thought if there are limits then there's always going to be debates about whether or not a certain action or a certain policy overstepped those limits. Well, he was definitely right about that. He's right about that, right? Like, that's what the whole court system is about. Yeah. It does take up a lot of time and money to solve these arguments about whether or not something was legal or not. Yeah. And on top of that, there's always a body in Canada, for example, it's the Supreme Court, that is able to overrule the sovereign. And say, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And so then he thought that it becomes, it becomes a question of who actually has authority. And, these, and he thought these disputes will always eventually become violent, inevitably. Like, they'll become violent, inevitably. And there will be civil war. Well, he wasn't totally wrong about that either. <laughs> I'm starting to agree with him. We had an ultra-God king, just not Trump. <laughs> yeah, so basically he thought the less, the less centralized power there is, the more likely everything will break down and there will be a civil war because people just won't, won't agree. 
I mean, he's not he's not like out to lunch with that opinion, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Especially if we can kind of sense the tingling of a great divide in our in our uh, our western civilization today. Yeah. Here's a question for you, Sam. Uh-huh. If you had to pick one ultra dictator for the world. Yeah. That's living today. Oh my god. Who would it be and why? Mm, why myself, of course. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Dude, I'm not turning down that job. <laughs> Get to be the ultimate dictator? Are you kidding? That sounds awesome. Okay. All right. Okay, you actually made a good point because I'd probably if is it is does do I care about other people? Because if I don't, then absolutely that's I think the I think job you'll ever. find that out pretty quick when they give you the ultimate dictator hat and you put that on and, and you see. Yeah, you figure out what you really care about yeah. pretty fast. <laughs> Okay, but besides yourself. Uh-huh. Oh, Jesus. Um hmm. that's a good question. Do you have a do you have an answer? Yeah. Okay, what's your answer? Zach Cook. <laughs> <laughs> Our old roommate. <laughs> he has one of the most he has one of the best moral compasses I've ever met in a human being. He'd just be flying around in that uh Weird contraption of his with the fan and the parachute attached to it, like just monitoring us with a telescope. But he might make everyone else, like, he might take us all for rides, you know what I'm saying? That's probably true, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. He's got, yeah, he's question. got, uh, he's not a very self, yeah, I think that's like one of the main things is that they have to be one of these enlightened types. Hmm. Not saying Zach is like this ultimate enlightened person, but he seems very selfless compared to a lot of people I know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an attribute you would need for a successful dictator, depending on what you define success as, as you know. Oh, like being an actual dictator, I think it wouldn't work out that well because yeah, you're always like paranoid about who's going to usurp you. But I think you're like, like if you've seen spoilers for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, they find out that the person who's running the entire universe is this like old man who lives in a in a like a shack with his cat and he just has no idea what's going on and people just show up and they ask him questions and he like asks his cat like what do you think and the cat's like, but in the, that sounds exactly like zach <laughs> <laughs> but in like in this scenario everybody agrees to accept this person's word as ultimate yeah yeah, he's like the ultimate ruler of the universe and he doesn't yeah. realize it. Uh, this is like barring any sort of like insurrection or like coup d'etat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's like, he's, it's not like like that kind of story. Like he's protected by the whole galactic federation or whatever. But All right. They've just found that the best way to rule things is with this guy who, because he's totally selfless, just has no bias or ego or anything to get in the way of making the right choice. Are you ready for our email? We have an email. Did you, uh, did you, uh, what, what do they call it? Screen this email before you open no, it? No, I haven't read it yet, but I see who it's from and I trust her to not be completely bananas. Okay. This is from, I hope she doesn't mind. This is from one of my favorite comedians in the Kelowna scene, Bonnie Essen, no relation to Bonnie Henry. Let's all, let's all calm down. <laughs> Um, very funny comedian in my town. She says, hi team. I have a potentially stupid question, but those are my favorite kind. Mine too, Bonnie. Do you think that the passage of time, wokeness, will be considered a philosophy? Like, 
We'll, we will look at Gen Z with rose-tinted glasses in 200 years and discuss their attitudes, beliefs, and behavior in an academic sense as we do with the Stoics at Al. You know what Al means. <laughs> and, and everyone, I think, or, and others. So I guess the question there is: Is this this is this wave of wokeness going to look back? Are we going to look back at it as a as a as a society in a couple hundred years as this great time of enlightenment and social progression, and look at it as an entirely good thing, or as the evil right would say, an oppressive <laughs> ideology? And then she goes on. Also, I am sure Jordan the drum geek knows, but one of the Zildjian brothers set up shop in New Brunswick and made Sabian symbols. Weird. That is weird. This has been your Canadian heritage moment. That is <laughs> odd that she knows that, first of all, but also that a Zildjian brother would start making Sabian symbols. Mm. Then she goes on to say, thanks for the laws and education while I attempt to get fit at the gym and keep it up. Well, Bonnie, it looks like from your social media, you're doing a great job um, getting to the gym, keeping fit. During these times, P.S. Your theme song is bamboozled, bamboozled my demon cat dog long enough for me to wrestle my phone away from her. That's good. <laughs> it is uh, an original song. So, wow, that is weird about the Zildjian brother, actually. Hmm. New Brunswick. Maybe he did something and he's not allowed to make Zildjian symbols anymore. So he turned to the he enemy. Shame on the, yeah. <laughs> Cast out from the Zildjian. Yeah, he, maybe he married the daughter of the Sabian company or something, like Romeo and Juliet. Zildjian is definitely, I think, from in my opinion, and I think from most people, is regarded as the higher quality brand. So Oof, to go ouch. from Zildjian to Sabian is no. So what do you think, Sam? Is this uh, what a lot of people find to be annoying woke culture from these Gen Zers going to be heralded as like a group of profound progressive thinkers in a couple hundred years who changed the world and society. Who's what's Gen Z again? Who's Gen Z? Gen Z is after us. Like we're millennial. Gen Z is like the, the people that are in like college now or high school. Oh, okay. They are, right. They're like all about, you know, they're essentially were raised on social media. Right. Mm. Like, and then what, what is wokeness? How do we define wokeness? Wokeness is like this every, this is, a, it's actually kind of hard to like summarize, but essentially as everything, any new progressive idea socially is somewhat undebatable and unquestionable, right? It's one of those things, a common woke theory or idea would be that only white people can be racist, stuff like that. Or no one is the gender they're born as until they decide they are. That's a woke idea. Or um, what else? I don't know. It's 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 most it's 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 pretty much anything that progresses any group of people that's not a cisgendered white male forward. Well, oh, I don't know. I I, I don't know how to define it. No, no I when think, I think that, of wokeness, I think of like the extreme progressive left. Okay, like, and I would, in my opinion, it's like some of it's good, some of it's garbage, some of it's going to last some of it's going to be tossed aside because it's garbage but what their value is is that they have kind of aggressively kick-started some conversations that were long overdue but they also brought in a bunch of conversations that i don't think needed to happen yeah i um i don't i don't know it's really hard to predict like obviously what 
like how people are going to think in the future. That's pretty hard to predict with any sort of certainty. I think definitely a lot of the ideas will be considered like a philosophy that will be studied because the papers have been written, they've been they've been published, people have made their academic careers about this stuff. Uh, this is like a huge, it's a huge thing in academia, probably more than elsewhere in the world. And that's why when people see these like conferences and all these papers being published, they like, it doesn't, it seems really kind of foreign to them. Um, Cause this is like, it's, but it's huge in academia. So in academia, it'll definitely be talked about for a long time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that stuff filters through into policymaking. And so it does, it does have the potential to change society. Oh, it absolutely is right now. Yeah. Some of it will be here for a long, long time. But do you think that bad ideas in the modern world last very long? What do you mean by a bad idea? Oh, for example, um, that woke idea from the extreme left would be that you can identify as anything, not just a gender, but anything. You can identify as an animal. There's these animal kin people, these people that think that they're actually, they have the spirit of a fox in them and they're not actually a human being. They're a fox and they would like you to treat, talk to them as if they're actually a fox. Stuff like that. That's an extreme example, but there's a lot of that going on. Obviously, the more like, the more less insane version would be uh like a i'm my i'm gender fluid that's another thing where i can be this gender one day this gender the other day uh i think a lot of it may be misinterpreted i think gender fluid people are just like today i feel more like a man than i do a woman but i think a lot of people would understand of it as like today i'm fully man today i'm fully a woman do you mean do you think that like that stuff is only happening now and will never people have not been like that in the past and won't be like that in the future? I think, well, that's a good question. Was this something that, this has probably already happened in the past yeah, at some point. They know, um, they know like people wearing, right? Like gen, we have gender-based clothing, right? We have got like men's clothes and women's clothes. And yeah, if you watch, uh, if you watch Mindhunter, you know that that's like actually switching clothes, what they would call cross-dressing, I guess. That's been pretty common yeah. for forever. Not common, but like people have done it. So it's like these things. Not like not most people doing it, but people yeah, have been but doing most, it. For a most people time. never do it, right? Like it's um, yeah, it's always something like all these like these the furry kin and um, gender fluid and transgender people. They're like a very very small minority of people. Very tiny, tiny groups. Yeah. And I think that eventually the the ideas of the wokeness culture that hold water, I guess, will persist and will event will be good for society, but all this shit that gets dragged along in the wake of it is going to just dissipate because there's so few people that are participating. I don't in think so. Thing. I think it's I think it's I think people have probably always been like that and will always be like that in the future. It's just now there's, they have a way louder voice, I think. And they're, it's mm. illegal to, to kill them. Yeah. Like, you don't see, you know, you won't see nearly as many, you don't see pride marches, for example, in countries where, like, there's a lot of countries in Africa where homosexuality is, like, punishable by the death penalty. You will never see a pride march there. Still. Oh, yeah. Tons of, most, most places in the world, actually. 
And you'll never see a pride march there, not because there aren't gay people there. It's because they'll get killed if they're outed, right? And it's the same thing with like all these other. When you say never, when you say never, that's that's a like. Do you think that never? Oh no, 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 no. I, I, I don't mean like at no point in the future will. I meant like you won't see a pride march there today, for example. In our lifetime. Yeah, it's more like yeah. Unless things really change, you would never see a pride march down the streets of. Yeah. Well, things do change a lot faster these days, so I guess it's possible. Yeah, but I think like the idea is that, uh, like, yeah, there are you know like furry kin, right? Like, there's all there's like minority groups that don't conform to mainstream notion like normative gender norms and things like that, and they're more out in the open now. Yeah, and you're saying that these group these people have always been out there. Yes. It's just now everybody's aware of them. Yeah, it's it's like. You could say it's like safer for them to emerge, I guess. And that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I just don't yeah. think it's going to be the predominant. Uh, I think that in the like 200 few years from now, a majority of people will probably still identify as one gender or the other, but there won't be, a, 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 I guess, a, a negative connotation attached to someone who doesn't. Yeah, that, that's, I think, yeah, I think that's, that's right. Yeah. Because like, I think I don't think that there's suddenly more gay people and more transgender people than there was a hundred years ago. No, yeah, I don't think so either. It's just now that they now they're it's safe societally to identify as that, I guess. Exactly, yeah. And so there's going to be more opinions expressed about it, right? There's lots of lots of people obviously have negative opinions about it, and you know, crimes against those people do still happen on the basis of their their um, beliefs, I guess. Yeah. But it's just uh, a lot less common. So there's always going to be philosophical debate about it back and forth. It just won't, hopefully it doesn't come down to like people losing their rights and things like that. Yeah. I think in 200 years, it'll be like, no one's going to really talk about it because it's just so common that it's not even really. Yeah. It, it's not something, it's not even a talking point anymore. Yeah, it'll lose its, its uh, place in the news cycle, I think. It won't be a, like, yeah. a big political deal anymore, eventually. But that's like, that's still a huge way to go. All right. Well, thanks again for the email, Bonnie. Um, yeah, great question. Yeah. And if anyone else wants to write in, we are at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. Send us your questions, concerns, complaints, insults. Um, cash donations. Cash donations. We, 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 will accept, uh, we will accept crypto. You can give us crypto, too. Yeah. Give us your crypto. Anything else you want to add, Sam? No, I think that's it. Uh, See you all next week. Beautiful. Good night, everybody.